Many of you might have heard the tale of the frog, frog in the boiling water pot. If you don't know it, basically it says that frogs, because they are a cold-blooded animal, will reject going into a boiling water pot. You can YouTube it and there are examples of it. But if you just put the water, the frog in normal temperature and you begin to increase and heat the temperature, the frog will not jump out of the pot and it will die because of the boiling water um, cooking it. So some scientists deny this theory. But the point is this, besides the scientific truthfulness of the tale, its main message is that small steps matter, and in the end, it can lead to a big difference. Why do I say this? Because I think that describes many things that we see going on in society today, especially the great moral confusion we're undergoing. In addition to instability in the church and in politics, there's a great moral confusion in our society. By the way, I thought, should I preach like a pleasing ears homily and just say goodbye and um, let's speak about the hundredfold and God loves us? But I chose, no, I chose the crucifixion homily. And I truly share that this has been weighing heavily in my heart. And I have been reflecting and and praying about it. So it has been an interesting ending of my year here in Corvallis. But basically, I think you can testify with me. What things, the things we see today, maybe you have not thought of seeing them in the past. At least when I grew up, the normal thing was to date and get married, and the number of people cohabitating is amazing. Or the great confusion in the gender areas. Things that we see today in schools, I could have never thought about them. Or the legalization of drugs in in the state, and so on and so forth. I could continue the list. And when I see these things, my first reaction is just despair. I just feel like a little kid in the shore and see a tsunami coming and say, okay, take me. And I think, okay, I'm going to just become a monk. I'm going to study, pray, stay in my room, let society collapse. Hopefully I will make it to heaven and let everyone like else die. And I will just stay there, dig my head, and that's it. But that's not the Christian answer. That's not the Christian response. Despair, giving up, is not the response. Neither condemnation, neither going out and condemning everywhere. So what is the Christian response? I think the gospel today and the readings of the first reading and the second reading, they give us beautiful insights of how to respond to this moral confusion. And the answer is divine wisdom. 
to grasp and believe in the truth that Christ brought to us. Today, the young rich man says this beautiful answer and this beautiful attitude. Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? It's true that at the end, he went away sad and he could not give it up all. But at first, he makes a very profound statement. He calls Jesus good teacher. And he asks him to guide him. So I think that's the response to the moral confusion. Like this young man to run to the feet of Jesus and say, you are the good teacher. You know what is right. You know what is wrong. And like Jesus and the young man, you look at us with love. And you want what is best for us. And that will be true always, ever, no matter how strong the moral confusion. Jesus, the good teacher, will stand always in history, looking at you and me and the whole humanity with love and leading us with his words and with his truth to the path that leads to eternal life. In the first reading, Solomon, the king of Israel, prays for a special gift, the gift of wisdom. He says, I prayed and prudence was given me. I pleaded and the spirit of wisdom came to me. And look at this. I preferred her wisdom to the scepter and throne and deemed riches nothing in comparison with her. So Solomon prays for, for divine wisdom, for prudence, for the ability to discern what is right and what is wrong according to the objective reality of God. And then he says, this wisdom is better than any riches in the world. It has a great value. It has a great importance to have this wisdom from on high. Paul says in the letter to the Colossians that in Jesus, all the treasures of wisdom are hidden. Jesus is the wisdom of God. And in him, all the treasures of wisdom are hidden. He is the truth who will guide us, the one who knows what is right and wrong. Bishop Barron defines wisdom as clarity of mind and purity of heart that comes from friendship with God. Clarity of mind, so to think correctly what is right and what is wrong. Purity of heart, order in our hearts that comes from friendship with God. So to truly believe and know what is right, we need that friendship with God. Without that friendship with God, wisdom nowadays, what is right and what is wrong, is difficult to attain. And I think this is what we should work on, to grasp and receive divine wisdom and to live according to that divine wisdom and to trust that that's what will make us thrive and that's what will lead us to eternal life and amazing blessings also in this life. 
So two highlights from these readings. First one is the clarity of mind. Wisdom is first clarity of mind. How to achieve the clarity of mind? Well, believing in what Jesus has revealed as true. Today, the letter of Paul to the Hebrews says the word of God is living and effective, sharper than a two-edged sword, penetrating between, even between soul and spirit, joints and marrows, and able to discern reflections and thoughts of heart. So Paul says the word of God, what Jesus has said, what Jesus has revealed, what God has given us as divine wisdom is a sword that penetrates your soul and helps you discern the thoughts of your heart. And that's the first step we should have. And that's what we can do. Maybe we cannot change what the world thinks, but we can reform ourselves and grasp what God has revealed in a deep way in our minds to allow the Word of God to really penetrate, inform the way we think and to be like a sword that pierces your mind and helps you discern what is true and what is wrong, what is right and what is not right. But not only the Bible, the Bible in the context of the church, the context of tradition and the magisterium, we are not a religion only of the Bible, but yes, we need to spend time with the word and we need to read the words of Jesus with reverence and pray that the Holy Spirit may allow us to comprehend and really believe them deeply so we are not drifted by what other people think. For example, last week and this week, we read in God's word, male and female, he created them, the book of Genesis. Those are, that's a sword. It penetrates the soul and it gives us criteria of discernment. It's the truth of Christ revealed to us. Today, Jesus says, those who are wealthy, it will be difficult to enter the kingdom of God. If you are too attached to material possessions, it will be difficult to enter the kingdom of God. Those are tough words. But we should not change the words. We should not change the meanings. We should reform our lives so we can adapt to it, adapt to the truth of Christ. And second, purity of heart. Jesus asked us to purify our hearts. We cannot comprehend divine wisdom. We cannot understand what Jesus says if our heart is not ordered. That was a problem of this young man. He wanted to follow Jesus and he wanted him to be the good master. But inside of him, there was too much love for riches. And that's why Jesus says, go give up your possessions, sell it to the poor, and come and follow me. He says, for you to believe more deeply, for you to grasp my words and my lifestyle, you need to renounce that. For you to think correctly, you need to act correctly. And this is so true. When we are too attached to something, 
we cannot think rightly. When you are a, too attached to honor, work, pleasure, money, when you're in a toxic relationship, or you're a workaholic, or you live in anger, it's difficult to think clearly when we don't have purity of heart. And that's why one takeaway is to spend time with God's Word every day of your life and reverence it. The second thing is to stand like this young man before Christ always and say, Lord, is there anything in me that needs to be purified? Paul says in the second reading that no creature is concealed from him, but everything is naked and exposed to the eyes of him. Everything is naked and exposed to the eyes of him. The Lord knows our hearts and he can tell us what is that one thing that maybe is preventing us from thinking rightly. So this young man was unable to grasp the totality of God's wisdom. He wanted to change, but he couldn't change. And the gospel says that he went away sad. He turned from the Lord. He turned from his truth. He turned away from his love. And the consequence was emptiness. And I think that's so true today. As humanity turns away from Christ, the master of true morality, the good teacher, the one who loves us, the ones who wants us in eternity, as we turn away from him, the same will happen to us if we don't change. We will go empty and we will go sad. But we should not despair. We should not condemn. Like Christ, we should stand in what is true and we should always live with compassion. And we should show to this world the beauty of this divine wisdom and the thriving that it brings. And no matter how dark it gets, we will always stand with him and he will always stand with us. I finish with this. Paul in the letter to the Philippians says, in everything you do, prove yourselves innocent and straightforward. Children of God beyond reproach in the midst of a twisted and depraved generation, among whom you shine like the stars in the sky. Children of God, beyond reproach, in the midst of a twisted and deprived, deprived generation, among whom you shine like the stars in the sky. I truly believe in the truth of Christ. And I truly believe that it will make us flourish. It will make us thrive. And I truly trust that our lives as Christians will shine.